Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Uh, last time we talked, uh, we ended the discussion about COVID-19 with, I still had some questions in my mind that I wanted to explore. One of them, Jim was, and Austin, was how the Belt and Road Initiative helped spread the virus. The Belt and Road Initiative uh, may have had some impact because there is some additional, you know, uh, traffic back and forth to China. The key question is, how much of that traffic was coming out of Hubei province? Because that's where it started. Um, even the Chinese scientists, the ones who haven't been arrested or disappeared or given a, a sound, you know, uh, talking to, uh, have, have said. I mean, they've already published those studies and they've gotten out in the wild. Um, but the trouble is, Wuhan is a major, it's sort of the Atlanta <laughs> of central China. Uh, you know, everything goes, passes through Wuhan. So uh, there was plenty of opportunity for anybody coming out of Wuhan to, uh, to spread it. Uh, but in general, uh, the Chinese have been, you know, all over the world. Uh, mainly the tourists. Now, the tourists uh, stop, stopped coming early on. Uh, you know, Thailand was already early in the start of the year. They were complaining that there were fewer Chinese tourists. Uh, now, why that exactly that was, you know, I don't know if it was, it wasn't really about health ha things. I think it was more political, but, uh, the tourism, the Chinese tourism dropped up, dropped off everywhere now, obviously, uh, because of the travel bans. But yeah, uh, Chinese commercial travelers, more than tourists, uh, spread it all over the place. The tourists go to a few locations, uh, Hawaii being one of them, for example, um, but the, uh, the commercial travelers of which there are many because Chinese, uh, China, because of the Belt and Road, but even be actually the Belt and Road and Chinese overseas investments sort of go hand in hand. Somebody realized, I mean, literally this is how it worked out. They realized why don't we organize all this overseas activity and that's how they got the one belt, one road. They said, all right, yeah. And by organized, they meant, I mean, they're all capitalists now. We'll simply make it easier to borrow money if you're investing uh, in a project that it fits in with the Belt and Road Initiative. Uh, but in that, anyway, because they, the, the state um, allocated more credit at favorable terms to uh, Belt and Road investments, there are more Chinese going out there. I mean, not just workers, but also uh, uh, technical people, management. Uh, they will they would fly back and forth, uh, and um, well, that may be changing. I think even the Chinese are using they're, they're probably using uh, you know video conferencing a lot more now, and and a lot of people I you know I've heard this already from some of the people I've been video conferencing. Uh, they said you know this ain't too bad. <laughs> um, although in some some operations have the huge, you know, the multi-screen, the wall of, of monitors, and it's almost like you're sitting in the same room. Um, uh, 
And, uh, you know, I think, again, it's like anything else. Once, you, once you're forced to use it, once you, like computers early on, a lot of people say, oh, I'll never touch a computer. Learn how to type, forget about it. That's women's work. Um, I knew a lot of guys like that. And a lot of them never really picked up on it. But a lot of them did. And, of course, the next generation coming up, you know, you were, you were a real oddball if you wouldn't uh, get online and at least answer your email or, or text and what have you. So I think this, this will give that a, a, a boost. Uh, the airliners don't want to hear about this, um, and a lot of people do not like business traveling. Uh, the Chinese do, at least most of them. I think some of them are getting tired of it now. Um, but they will—they still believe in sending people uh, out for, to, to supervise and operate investments or learn from locals, uh, and that's not going to change. So China is always going to be a very dangerous vector uh, for these, these diseases. Now, this brings up another issue, China trying to deflect the blame. Uh, it's straight out of Wuhan, uh, so to speak. Uh, they're speaking out of, you know, two messages coming out of the same mouth, as it were. One in China, where they're basically clap, clap, you know, clamping down on the, the wet markets. In other words, where they sell live wild animals. Um, and uh, they're basically enforcing the, uh, the endangered animals. Uh, you know, uh, restrictions, which in the, in, in the past they say they would, but they didn't. But now they are. In fact, uh, uh, about a month after the, uh, well, in the midst of the, uh, the Wuhan, you know, crisis, as it were, uh, they finally enacted a law uh, outlawing the, the wet markets, the wild uh, game markets. Um, and uh, the, now the thing is, will they enforce it? They'll enforce it now, but will they enforce it next year? Because these, these corona uh, uh, diseases, the corona meaning out of an animal as we're from, uh, crossing the species barrier, um, has been going on for thousands of years. I mean, more and more of the, uh, the worst human diseases they can trace back to wild animals. I even found, I was, I was trying to find out the, if, if the uh, measles, which hit the uh, Roman Empire twice in the second century and the sixth century, um, uh, with devastating results, especially in urban areas, uh, that apparently was, was traced to uh, Central Asia, some extinct species of wild buffalo. But in China, it was always a, uh, a factory for corona diseases because uh, so much of the population, the farmers, you know, they, they thought nothing, you know, in the wintertime, they'd bring the animals inside where the people were because they would share all that body heat. Uh, it was just their custom. You know, people were constantly sharing breath, as it were, with ducks, pigs, you know, you name it, uh, all sorts of birds. And of course, there were always the wet markets, uh, which, you know, even though they were mostly for the affluent, uh, for Chinese New Year's and things like that, more people would go and buy these exotic delicacies for the holidays. Um, so China is, is going to have to uh, face it. They're apparently facing it internally. And I, I, this, this whole idea of blaming the, the virus on a bunch of American engineers coming, soldiers coming in to compete in a military competition <laughs> is, is absurd on the face of it. I mean, some people will believe it. Um, but, you know, most of China's neighbors know very well where these diseases come from. Uh, and, um, uh, 
and and again, there there are plenty of diseases coming from you know uh, uh, you know just uh, 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 viruses that you know suddenly you know click with humans. But the worst ones are the coronaviruses because there are billions of viruses out in the in the wild. Most of them have no impact on humans because they're not coming from animals; they're coming from all sorts of sources. Um, but a lot of mystery diseases in history and in the future are going to come from some some random, you know, it, it's like a constant, you know, a slot machine spinning all the time. And bing, 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 every once in a while, Homo sapiens is going to get the three skulls. Uh, and bingo, you've got yourself another pandemic. Now, now... You know, we have we have the uh, the ability to uh, to have uh, prophylactic, you know, have get medicines in place to uh, to mitigate the fatal effects and to and to vaccinate people. But that gives us basically a false sense of security, because as we're seeing now, I think the the uh, the 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 final word on the coronavirus by uh, virus was that it did more damage to the human population economically than physically with the disease itself. Because, you know, poverty, a recession, or even a depression, that kills people. I mean, you know, the epidemiologists have long known that. And I don't know if the, the media is going to go in there and, and calculate how many people died, you know, from the, the next recession uh, versus whatever. Because you can see now, as, we, as we've discovered early on, a lot of epidemiologists discovered early on, the impact of this is basically another a, a super flu. It, it it kills you know four or five times as many people as influenza does, uh, and that's it basically it only kills maybe twice as many as the worst influenza. I mean, the influenza, uh, you know, constantly evolves, and some years are much worse than others. And there, I, geez, there's been two or three years in the last fifty years since I've been alive. I mean, I I I for example, in my siblings and my mother. Because of a family inherited, you know, resistance, we've never caught the flu, never had it. In fact, I double checked. I said, "Geez, I don't remember anybody in the family being down with the flu." My father too. I don't know what his story is. Clean living. Who the hell knows? Um, but um, uh, you know, a large chunk of the population are immune to these diseases, uh, and that's what happened when they had the uh, uh, first the diamond princess, and then I and then I, there was just a recent study that was uh, published. Uh, Iceland did the same thing, uh, but even better, they basically randomly selected 10% of the population and called them in to be tested as part of this random thing. So everybody, you know, uh, they they tromped in and got their boom boom, and they and they ran all those tests, and, they, and it came back basically the same results as the Diamond Princess. Uh, the Theodore Roosevelt, again, as we predicted uh, earlier in, in the uh, in some earlier strategy page piece, and I I mentioned it again with more information and the one we ran today you know you give me fever um the uh they've tested 80 percent of the crew now i estimated that they might have maybe a thousand sailors sick or you know basically on sick call uh, if they just if this thing were you know ran wild as it were without any uh any efforts to uh you know isolate and what have you which is hard to do on a carrier um but apparently it would only be about 300 uh, if that had basically run its course. So far, nobody, no sailors been hospitalized, uh, and none have died. Um, and of course, that's that's fairly expected with a crew of a, a naval ship because you 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 don't get sea duty if you get any any physical profile whatsoever. 
so not only are they, as all military personnel, selected for pretty good health, um, but the, uh, the people uh, who uh, get the, you know, to go to see, uh, they, they go through another screening, um, and so it wouldn't be expected. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the captain, who was well-liked by his crew, uh, the CNO was apparently appealing to the president to uh, to reinstate him because he made one mistake. And as I, you know, as Al Murphy has pointed out time and again in his, his work in the, for the for the Navy, uh, most of the pre, the principal commanders in World War II would have never made it in today's Navy. You know, one mistake and you're out. Um, but uh, I think the Navy's coming back to realizing that. Uh, that you know uh, nobody's perfect, and it's it's idiotic. Didn't one of our uh, famous World War I can't remember who it was World War Two uh, admirals actually run a ship aground when he was that was Halsey right. yeah when he was the destroyer commander yeah, yeah. and that was yeah you know, I, I forget that the Al wrote that up a couple of times in his various books. Uh, it was this, and I think you pointed out later on, maybe it's in C and, uh, CNC, that uh, if he'd done it, Halsey had done it today, he'd be out. Uh, now, who knows, maybe they would have called him back in if there was ever a major war. But that just goes, shows, goes to show you, you can be overcautious. And indeed, we're seeing that today with the American bureaucracy, uh, the Food and Drug, Food, FDA, uh, and the CDC have been obstacles to dealing with the uh, the coronavirus, so that is apparently going to yield some positive, you know, reforms. Because the our current president, you know, he's the sort of guy you you screw up like that. I mean, he loves to cut out regulations, uh, and and now they're basically uh, uh, basically self, you know, uh, you know, showing themselves up as it were. Yeah, we're a regulation that should, you know, go out the door. Uh, so that's one of the positive effects. Because on the last, the SARS, uh, was it SARS? Whatever, the, the last uh, major, you know, uh, super flu, as it were, uh, corona-type virus, um, uh, we had a large stockpile of ventilators and what have you, and we never restocked them, uh, <laughs> which is one of the reasons we have all the problems now. Uh, another another thing that's going to come up in the histories of the of the of the uh, COVID nineteen you know epidemic as it were, is people not paying attention to history, uh, not paying attention to models, politicizing a lot of the uh, you know the the reactions. I mean, you can see this in the different states. I mean, we have fifty different states, and they are all you know taking a slightly different approach. Most of the American states are not feeling much of this at all. I mean, it, the epicenter is in New York. Uh, and there are various reasons for that, that it'll take a while to come out. I think it has a lot to do with the, the, the immigrant uh, population, not just the illegal migrants. Even, even the illegal migrants in New York City are, are extre- the highest in the, in the country. Um, and most of the uh, the uh, the corona, coronavirus, uh, uh, you know, infected people are in those communities out in Brooklyn and Queens, uh, disproportionately, Manhattan, very low, even with all of our world travelers and what have you. But again, these are people, you know, who, who are probably in better health to begin with. Uh, but, you know, a lot of the people who would be coming in from China or, you know, East Asia, any place where uh, the, uh, the uh, Wuhan virus would have reached first, um, they would have gone to the areas which are now uh, the most infected because it has a head start. The uh, 
uh, in the United States, uh, we re- we found out the hard way that the uh, the the half the people who get infected, who the where the infection takes, uh, they walk around for several weeks showing those symptoms, but breathing in on everybody they come across. Um, but you know, again, that's something nobody wants to, to uh, talk about. I think you know, for for good justifiable PR reasons, if you, if you make a big thing about 80% of the population can't catch it, a lot of people will say, well, I've got it. Obviously, it's me. I'm in the 80%. I mean, that's human nature. Um, uh, so the certain amount of FUD, you know, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, you know, is useful because it worked in it worked in New York. I mean, most people are, uh, you know, distancing themselves. And, uh, you know, I used to think people were walking away from me, you know, because of the cigar, but now I can blame it on the virus. Um, so, you know, lessons will be learned. Uh, some of them, unfortunately, will be learned too late. Uh, hey, Jim, there is uh, something I read, uh, uh, I think it was two days ago, uh, on... <laughs> Why some of the communities you described in the greater New York area have a uh, higher incidence of uh, of the virus, and that is is that they're more likely to be riding subways into Manhattan or using yes. subways yes. than some of the Manhattanites. And I, that struck me as a former Manhattanite myself as there might be some validity to that. And it, it wasn't one of these anecdotal type uh, analysis. It was somebody that was looking at. That, that kind of spread of communities that that you just described. So yeah, yeah, there was a few weeks when there were a lot of cases in the country that out in those communities, mainly because that's where the travelers were. Uh, and uh, yes, uh, they had several weeks where the the subways were wide open. Nobody right. was wearing masks or anything like that. Uh, and that was that was the perfect way to spread it uh, to a certain population. And that happened to be, unfortunately, the population that lives in those areas. Uh, again, that's something that people are sort of sort of saying. You know, look at I mean, look, you can look at the pattern. You know, they 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 have the maps of you know where the the concentration of people and blah blah blah. Of course, the politicians are spinning. Oh, it's racial. You know, it's Puerto Ricans. Blah 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 blah. No, it's people living in in those those neighborhoods. They work in other boroughs. They take the subway, and they have foreign-born populations who regularly travel back and forth to the old country. That's something you didn't have in the old days. I mean, basically, the airliners, the airplanes, these flying subways, uh, they played a key role. In, in making this, uh, this this virus go. That's why heat is on uh, the World Health Organization uh, and its master, China, uh, because China basically held off. Now, they have, they've had their own investigation because because of the SARS, which was a pretty bad one, uh, not quite as bad as, as, um, as, as uh, coronavirus, but close. Um, they enacted rules. And, of course, they love to pass laws, well, all politicians do, all governments do. The question is, who's going to obey them? And what happened was, you know, those few doctors who raised the alarm in the early December that I think we have a new SARS, uh, these guys were covering their butts. You know, if, if the, I believe in, in that Chernobyl TV uh, show, they showed that in the early stages of the, uh, of the meltdown. Uh, the local, you know, uh, Soviet, you know, the local communist officials got together and agreed we got to shut down, you know, news. Nobody should, and nobody outside should know what's going on, including Moscow. Um, and uh, that is fairly typical of of, uh, of these t- 
totalitarian states. Um, and it's a hard habit to break in China. I mean, they basically, it was the, it was the rule. You're not supposed to, um, keep the information to yourself. You report it to the center and the center didn't know for several weeks that something was going on. And how did they find out the internet? Because the internet lit up, uh, when they, when they read about this hero doctor, because he later died of, uh, of, uh, of uh, coronavirus, um, and there were several other doctors who had disappeared, uh, and there, and many more uh, who basically agreed with the uh, the whistleblowers, as it were. Uh, they were known to have been talked to by the MSS, the uh, secret police, and and basically read the riot act. Um, so you know, China has a problem internally. They have to solve. They can pass all the rules and regulations they want, but they basically screwed the pooch. They allowed this to get out of hand, and now they're trying to deny any responsibility. That is not how you solve the problem. And I think China is going to take a lot of heat uh, down the road in the next few months uh, because of that, because their their story is not selling, you know, blaming it on the Americans. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, that's been going on for a long time. Uh, and how many times do we have to find out it's false before you say, you know, maybe this isn't this isn't generally true. Um, Jim, that's how, that's Jim they, have, they have their how to describe it sycophants and uh, supporters, many, uh, unfortunately, uh, who have audiences around the uh, around the planet that uh, are will repeat that grotesque lie. It has, it has been repeated. Yes, and, I know. It's and, an old hat. And, and it's and it's sure it's old hat, but it, it, it because of the sensationalist nature of major media in the United States, they get a magnification out of it, and I'm sure that ple- pleases Beijing no end. I'm, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that, uh, that in the long run, China is going to pay a huge price for this. I think we're already seeing that here in, in the United States. But nevertheless, it's an opportunity that, for them to buy time and see doubt. That's why they went with the big lie. Well, there also also the you know one of the major developments of the modern dictatorship, the first with the communists and then the the, the, the national socialists and the international socialists, was the importance of controlling mass media because mass media didn't really exist until the you know the mid nineteenth century, um, and uh, and I think one thing people picked up on uh, right early on was. Um, there's the the short term you know manipulation and the long term truth. They are separate entities. Absolutely, you, you, it, it begins. You, the mass media begins really with the telegraph when you can actually get it get it out and get a lie repeated or the well, truth. You know, you needed, a, you needed you needed the penny press. You needed the steam press. The steam press is what really got it going because the telegraph sure could get mostly got commercial information. That's why that's why it was so big early on or emergency information. But mass media is something people would consume every day uh, once it was cheap enough you know for the majority of the population who were already literate our population was one of the most literate populations early on even during the colonial period uh mostly for bible worship but you know we know better they were not reading the bible all the time um uh the uh once the um you know the, the the expensive newspapers, the weekly newspapers. They would be posted on a bulletin board under you know a little roof, as it were, in many villages, and people would come down and read it because they couldn't afford to buy it. Uh, and but once you got the penny press, where literally you know it cost the equivalent of today maybe a quarter, 
50 cents. Uh, and it was a novelty. And the, and the, and the people running these, uh, these uh, new newspapers quickly realized, I mean, it was the market economy, what sells, what sells is scandal. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. If it bleeds, it leads. Sports, they quickly realized sports are something, I mean, sports, uh, commercial sports, uh, you know, grew because of the ability to publicize it, to to, to basically uh, make heroes out of exceptional athletes. Again, that was that's a modern thing. In the past, you had you know, sure had the Olympics, but that was every four years. I'm talking in, in antiquity, and they would they would make statues out of some of these guys, but they weren't everyday heroes. The mass media made news every an everyday event. And as I had more than one news director when I was years ago, when I was a pundit on a regular basis, uh, before I went on air, sometimes the news director or whatever would be there. Say, oh, yeah, we got to feed the beast. Uh, <laughs> they got a little battle weary after a while uh, because it, especially, uh, you know, after the 80s, when you had the satellite news, you know, the uh, the, the CNN and what have you, uh, you had to literally make up news you had to recycle old news all right hey jim i want to i want to get back to the 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 consequences of china's lie just for a second and and ultimately address it to the spread of the disease and in a quasi way down to your question about belt and road and you know jim's hit the core of it which is the chinese people moving through or out of Hubei province, spread it, both internally and externally. But they hid it because the evidence is mounting. And you go back and look at reports that did come out of China, a handful, uh, not all of them the Internet, but some of it took a while for the, you know, anecdotal transmission, that this disease cropped up, was identified in Wuhan, the last part of November 2019. That's, and for one thing is, is that China does report to the World Health Organization on December 31st that there is some sort of outbreak. That's also two or three days after Dr. Lee, that's the hero doctor that Jim was uh, mentioning. By the way, I mentioned, I wrote about him, what in that column I wrote February 5th or 6th, that you had to go back and put a yeah. tag on in the end because we he, learned that Yeah, he died, he died like know, the day after this, we uh, published. Exactly, because I think I wrote that column on the 4th of February. It came out on the 5th, and you had it up on the 6th, and that was the day. I think he died on the 6th, and we didn't find out about it until a couple of days a couple of days later. But the China sat on that information let's say five weeks before they even said anything to the, to the World Health Organization. And then it, in the middle of January, I forget the exact date, but you can find it. You can find the tweet from the WHO. And I know that sounds like I'm talking about uh, Pete Townsend's band. No, I'm not. Uh, World Health Organization. And uh, I, right in the middle of January, it says that there's no evidence of human-to-human tra- uh, transmission. That was another direct lie, and that has Beijing's responsible for that because yeah. that, that's the con. <coughs> thanks, Jim. That's the con uh, contact point. World Health Organization, and I, I I don't think it's a conspiracy theory to say that China exerts undue influence on the World Health Organization and a couple of other similar international bodies. They've uh, the. The Chinese Communist Party leadership has worked assiduously over the last 20 years to gain 
uh, political and economic influence in some of these uh, world uh, organizations. And in this case, oh, they, they, they were it was doing insidious. That, they were I'm doing sorry. that early on. During the 1980s, for a while, I dated a gal. She was from Peru uh, who worked in the U.N., and we just be chatting about how – and she talk about that. The Chinese own this. The Chinese own that. Yeah. Uh, even then. But you're right. In the last 20 years, they've amped it up. You're, said, exactly. Hey, and you're seeing, it ex- right. you're seeing it deleteriously expressed with a great deal of hurt. Now, here's where I'm going to connect it to the travel issue. Jim, you brought up Thailand. And uh, just a background on this, I think I mentioned this in an earlier strategy talk. But um, Michael Yan, who's a compadre of mine, and I – I uh, had a, a couple of, uh, of uh, Skype chats in January, and he was telling me about this disease cropping up in Thailand, and he was talking to s- several senior Thai health officials, including an MD. I remember he said his name, but I know Michael's uh, written about this, in, uh, in Bangkok, who said that they were Chinese tourists who had it, and he talked to them, and uh, the, the you know, secondhand, the doctor telling uh, 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 Michael uh, Michael is, but they, they said they came here and carrying the disease, and now they've got it, and we've got them in hospital uh, hospitals, and we're trying to isolate them. Thailand, Jim, I I learned something today. I I I thought they got the normal amount of Chinese uh, tourists, but they got a lot of. Them. Oh, yeah, it's about over a third of their, their tourism uh, okay. visits right. are Chinese. All right, all right. I, I know it's well, a huge – well, Thailand Thailand's supposed to be one of the Chinese' favorite places to go. Well, it is, and, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's cheap. It's nearby, exactly. et cetera, et cetera. Quick, quick flight. And it, within, uh, within three or four days of that Skype chat with, uh, with, with Michael Yon, it was apparent that Wuhan was the center of it. We already knew that it had cropped up in Wuhan. Because China, in that first week, by January 7th, the January 7th issue of Science Magazine, which I read usually a week late, but I I will read Science Magazine. It's a very authoritative source. There was an article in the first week issue of, uh, of 2020 talking about this outbreak in Wuhan. It's very anodyne, very simple, but it says it's, uh, you know, a potential, uh, some potential danger. It was you know, just uh, two, a couple of paragraph uh, report. But it was also, also based, if you look back, as I look back on it, they must have had uh, the, the reporter who put that together some access to some of these internet uh, uh, chats that got Dr. Lee and a couple of other researchers, including one woman who was one of the senior researchers at a at a research uh, uh, hospital in the uh, Wuhan area, she had uh, uh, talked about it as well. And for a brief a brief uh, time, she was uh, something of an internet star. She would re- answer emails, and then, uh, as you said, she got talked to by the uh, secret police. But we had an outbreak, Dan. In Thailand. Now, take a look at two of the other worst cases that we know of on the planet, Italy and Iran. Jim, both of them participate in the Belt and Road Initiative. And there's a large Chinese working community, commercial community in Italy. I don't know how large it is. I've read anywhere from 200 to 300,000. Iran, immense amount of commercial travel, because Iran really is on the 
Belt and Road Initiative. That's in the classic. Here we're using a rebuilding the, a, a notional Silk Road from China to per, uh, uh, to Persia, and a, an immense uh, number of people. Uh, a large number of people comparatively getting sick and dying in Iran. So you do have, in a, in a larger sense, what I've come up, here's my term for this, uh, spread threads. And I'm going to talk about Texas just, uh, just briefly on this. The Texas State uh, Health uh, Service has a really fine dashboard trying to just give, you know, uh, best effort data reports on total number of illnesses, total number of tests, and fatalities. It's gotten, it's improved over the last 10 days. They now have hospitalizations, demographic breakdown, and the like. But as I've been watching this for the, this webpage for the last couple of weeks, you could see there's, there's a, a cluster around uh, Harris County, which is where Houston is a cluster around the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, Metroplex, and a cluster in Travis County, which is Austin, and Bear County, which is San Antonio. And yes, okay, so those are the big population areas. But you could see the thread of counties, and it's all done on really on a county basis, going up Interstate 45, which connects the Houston cluster to Dallas-Fort Worth, up Interstate 35, which is the San Antonio-Austin cluster going to Dallas-Fort Worth, and then kind of I-10 between San Antonio and Houston. That's Those are lines of you know, truck traffic, commercial traffic, people traveling from one urban area to the other. Now, but the other one that was so telling was there's a very it's, – it's, the population is, is, is much less, but there's still population centers. Amarillo, up in the Panhandle, then move south to Lubbock, and then move down to Midland-Odessa, which is, uh, those are the two heart of the great Permian Basin, West Texas oil industry. And there's a interstate, I-27, that connects, connects them. And you could see the same kind of growth or occurrence of the coronavirus along that little corridor. Now, density is an issue. Jim's talking about it in New York City, which is immensely dense. Last time I looked, which was yesterday, finally, finally, you had uh, fewer than 100 counties in Texas, I think it was 95, that had zero coronavirus, reported coronavirus cases. For a long time, and just in reporting, Almost all of the cases were in 50, 50 or 60 counties with just uh, 15 around the major metropolitan areas where the density goes up, uh, goes up with a vast majority of, uh, of, of the coronavirus cases. There are still, I'm going to take a wild guess, I could be checked out uh, on this, about 90 counties in Texas, some of them huge, that haven't had any. That's because they're not on these transportation corridors or they're they're just they're not not directly on them if they are they just go through them and it's uh, largely empty space dispersed people and they're not they are gem geographically distanced instead of socially distanced is is what it amounts to so there is something to it 
there is something to it about uh, about well, definitely about the travel and about commercial contact. And again, I'm doing this. This is just you know a <clears throat> To, uh, to be illustrative, but you could see that see those corridors, and see the see the reports, and 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 compare it uh, with the hospitalizations. But when I say you could see it on the graphic of the state of Texas and where they would have uh, icons of of, of cases, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you you could see it following these major transportation routes. So there is something to it, Dan. It's not it's not just uh, Belt and Road Initiative. Everybody's got a uh, a road initiative if you uh, with with this disease to some degree. Yeah, density is density is important because only twenty percent of the population uh, will catch the disease. If, you know, the virus if exposed to it. And of course, about half of those will not show any symptoms, so they'll want to bring around as carriers. Now, you're not going to get any transmission in many parts, as Austin has pointed out, in Texas or in many states, uh, because you need that that you need someone who's got the the uh, the that one of the twenty percenters, as it were, who can actually catch it and then transmit it. Uh, and especially the, the, the 10 percenters who are asymptomatic. They're the, they were the worst because they don't know they have it, and they're walking around breathing on people. Now, the trick is the, they can breathe on all the people they want, but the only people it counts are the 20% who can receive. <laughs> so so you've, got, you've only got 20% of the population that, it, that is receptive, that will actually develop the disease if they're exposed to it. Um, and, and, and of course, the, the half the half of those will, will will promptly will soon show symptoms, and they'll be quarantined, self quarantine, whatever. Uh, but the ones you got to worry about are the asymptomatic uh, carriers uh, who will carry it around for you know a week or two until it, it, the system you know flushes it out. In other words, you know fights it off. Um, and so it's it's basically a matter of density. And of course, as Austin pointed out, the New York City subway is is great. You have plenty of twenty percenters riding the subway. Uh, but you go out to <coughs> you know cruise ships, uh, naval ships. Uh, but you go out to spread out areas, and it just doesn't happen. Um, and it probably never will. In other words, the the you know the herd immunity will be developed. Uh, in other words, the herd immunity is basically reducing the twenty percenters. You know, if a lot of those 20 percenters had been exposed before and survived it, they would be less likely to catch it again. So over time, the 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 percentage of the population that can catch, as it were, play catch to those who are pitching, uh, shrinks. And it gets to a certain level and a, a population has, has been described as, as achieving herd immunity. We still use that with a lot of epidemic diseases that not have been cured. Uh, we can vaccinate, you know, say for measles. And so when the anti-vaccine campaign became very uh, popu- popular in many areas, uh, you basically got enough people develop, not not being protected, uh, not getting vaccinated, you know, new, ch- you know, newborns, children coming up. And the, you know, the herd immunity works in reverse. Once you have a large enough population of vulnerable people, then bingo, the cases start popping up and it can spread. Um, so that's, 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 that's just the, you know, the epidemiology of these types of diseases. But as Austin points out, the key problem was China had in place procedures to stop it. Stop and another SARS. And, 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 and they, well, no, the, the trouble was they have to impose discipline. 
you know, I don't know, they're probably going to have to hang a few uh, local officials out to dry, especially in Wuhan. In fact, they've already done that. They've already replaced some senior people. And basically, read them the riot act. They said, look, it's absolutely important. Your career will be over. You'll probably be in jail or worse <coughs> if this happens on, the, on your watch. So, you know, in other words, you have to bite the, you have to do something that instinctively you do not want to do. You have to report bad news to the center. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a difficult system to implement. Uh, you know, people don't want to rock the boat, et cetera. I mean, it's human nature in general, but it's worse in totalitarian states where being the bearer of bad news, you know, once can be a career render. Oh, he's unlucky. Oh, he blah, 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 blah. He's being stigmatized. Um, but, you know, all the procedures and planning in the world uh, do you no good if they're not implemented when they're needed. And that's what happened with China. And China, whether or not they admit it, they're going to have to face the music. I mean, uh, until they implemented these procedures, which basically were secret, <laughs> these were not publicized. Um, they might have mentioned it, you know, sort of votes to, you know, to who uh, will tell you this, but please do not, you know, uh, spread it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's the kind of control China gets in international organizations. Yeah, we'll tell you things, but non attributable, et cetera, you know, the usual drill. Um, but you want to get these. Uh, uh, rules out in the open, because if you don't, then you know there's there's more incentive, there's more opportunity for an official to say, well, maybe this one, you know, I can, you know, ignore. Maybe it'll go away, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you know, now we've been bitten twice in 20 years, and the next time we won't be so lucky. Because if they had implemented it, they would have shut down uh, Wuhan and Hubei. You know, immediately they would have quarantined one province. They would have probably limited, you know, uh, the spread throughout China. Uh, Hong Kong, for example, <laughs> which is technically part of China, uh, they have their own border controls, which they, you know, can exercise to a certain extent. Um, and when they and when they, and when the, it is not exercised to the, the the satisfaction of the general population, you'll have mobs showing up at the border control points. So there's a secondary line of the best. They basically kept uh, the the rate of infection very low in Hong Kong. Um, there's another problem which we should get to before we wind this thing up. It's how you report cases of it. Uh, there's a huge disparity. Uh, among countries, as to uh, how uh, how how much impact the virus has had. For example, we were talking about Thailand, where they are you know they got hit by it. They didn't expect it. Uh, they've had like um, uh, less than one death per million population from the uh, the virus so far. In the United States, it's fifty per million. Now, why is it higher in the United States? Well, yeah, there are, there are more cases. But another thing that's going on in the United States, something we don't, doesn't get publicized a lot, but I discovered in doing some research on medicine in the, for one of my books on medicine in the United States, we have a tradition of aggressive treatment of all diseases. Um, and that means that when we classify a coronavirus death, anybody who dies is checked for if they have anything remotely, you know, you know, linked to coronavirus, they're they're tested to see if it's a coronavirus death, and especially in New York City. So they're classifying a lot of deaths that 
you know, would have not been classified. I mean, the you know, coronavirus was just one of many underlying diseases. And this has been pointed out. Most of the, the fatalities have been people who already had, were already ill from several other things. And the coronavirus just tipped them over the side. And it's not anything else. Influenza could have done it. Most of the people that influenza kills uh, every year are people who already have, have several illnesses and bingo you get the flu and bing, and it's game over because that just overloads the system um, and so you're going to see this that's what just that's, that's what explains the wide discrepancy uh, in the impact Italy of course they have a problem because they have the oldest population um, in Europe and although they have you know uh, national health care they have the one of the worst ones in the in the in the continent the uh, Europe most states in all states in Europe have some sort of national health, but the efficiency of the national health programs varies from country to country. I mean, I discovered this when I looked into it, you know, overseas, and um, some of them are very, very poorly run. Uh, and even the ones that are well run, especially the national health in, in England, gets lambasted uh, regularly because of the stupid political mistakes they make, whereas you don't hear anything coming out of Germany or many other, you know, uh, European states. Uh, you know, no news, uh, good news is no news. Uh, and, and you don't hear much uh, from the, the countries that have efficient national health. They're going to have a lot lower, uh, you know, uh, problems, a lot lower uh, deaths and uh, illnesses from the coronavirus uh, simply because they have a, a public health system that is designed to handle just about anything. Sweden is an example. They did not impose quarantine. They basically let everybody know, uh, look, this is what is hitting. This is what you can do individually to limit the spread. And they're suffering no worse than any uh, any country in, in the neighborhood uh, who is going full quarantine. And their economy is in much better shape. Now, that's a lesson for us all, because in the United States, in many countries, the uh, the medium term uh, damage is going to be economic. Uh, Jim, let me uh, make one comment on you uh, on the. Uh... China uh, post SARS 2002-2003 outbreak, they claimed they had a system in a reporting system that it quote unquote wouldn't happen again. I recall reading, I'm going to say this is 2011 or 2012, uh, an article uh, looking at that, uh, back at that epidemic and at, I believe we were having an influenza epi epidemic here in the United States at the time and there was uh, you know again the uh, gov Chinese government position that uh, we've implemented uh, reporting uh, changes and so we'll, we'll be able to get to identify and get a grip on on future outbreaks this article as I recall it was not about China but it mentioned that and that has been picked up and, and things that have appeared in uh, the uh, world press, U.S. press, uh, since uh, since the middle of January. Yeah, but the, the thing that China the thing China claimed that they had done it, and yet when it happens again, they hadn't. And for for the reasons that you, that that you outlined about a, exactly that doesn't get picked up, and, that, and that's crucial. It's one thing. I mean, it, it's it's typical of politicians in all countries. They love to pass laws, but nobody likes to follow up. Was that law actually implemented? Was it implemented the way it was intended to? And no, too many times it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, look, one, one other uh, uh, thing about uh, in a, to uh, 
reinforce a point you made about uh, differing statistics, the back, the deep background in, in differing statistics. Uh, of the first uh, 30 or 35 uh, deaths, fatalities, in the state of Texas, at least a dozen. Now, I, and I've read this with I read it within the last 15 days. It was a report uh, uh, focusing primarily on the uh, on the Houston area. A dozen of the people who died had prior conditions. They were on death's door to begin with. That's my description of it, not what was uh, in in the article. But in some ways, they had come in contact with coronavirus, and they're classified as coronavirus fatalities. Uh, that's the way it is in the United States. That's not the way it is in other countries because they would have sat there and, first of all, they may have died because they wouldn't have, the individuals would have already been dead because they wouldn't have received the extraordinary care that, that you could get in the United States. And so that is, you know, actually it's, it's a positive in a certain sense, I'd say not a certain sense, a real sense about the U.S. because you have such high quality and available health care. And that's a, to help keep people alive and prolong their lives. Yeah, uh, something, but, something else yeah. the rest of the world doesn't realize is, although we don't have national health, we do have laws and practices which, in effect, give emergency care to anybody. That's right. That's, whether that's, they have insurance or not. Yeah. Dan, I think we've, we've covered beyond the Belt and Road, buddy. Hello, Dan. Sorry, my. Um, we have we have covered it beyond the Belton Road. Um, there's just one last thing. I know we're over time, but I'd like uh, you both to address this real quick. Is that it looks like China stopped reporting and most likely underreporting what was happening. At the uh, with the virus, that they weren't reporting accurately what was going on in the rest of China, and they have not reported accurately on the number of deaths and the number of infected. Indeed, and that's coming out via the internet from Chinese themselves. Uh, Mr. Yan, Austin's buddy, our intrepid overseas reporter, uh, he's picked up on a lot of that. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, yeah. For some reason, you know, China is now golden. Uh, you know, if you want to increase a lot of political pressure in the West, you simply blame it all on the local politicians and let China, you know, take a walk. Uh, but China is still, you know, at fault, and you've still got to be, and I think that'll, that'll come out when China says, well, now you can let our people fly, you know, freely into uh, the United, into the West. The countries, I mean, you know, the, the press is one thing, but the countries, the, the politicians who have to take the heat if there are any more of uh, these outbreaks are going to say, oh, no, 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 no. We'd rather take the heat from the local press about, you know, being hard on the Chinese and taking the <laughs> greater degree of heat if more of our citizens die. You know, all politics is local, as the saying goes. And that's what it's going to come down to. Well, you, you, you've got here the, uh, the curious situation here in the United States of a president that will flat out argue with uh, the press uh, asking a question like that. Uh, that's uh, Well, that's another problem. The United States has a unique situation where the media is <laughs> declared war on this sitting pre uh, on a very popular right. sitting president president and we know how that's working out all right all right i think we've yeah, good thanks and we'll talk to you both next time bye bye guys bye bye